second. Let's get a glance. Okay. This week in Parshas Chayasura, I want to uh, focus on Yishmuel. We did, if you recall, in August, we focused on Yishmuel. We're going to focus on him again. And hopefully, we will be able to look, take a micro and macro look at Yishmuel and the nation that he represents and many other lessons that we can apply in our own lives. At the end of Parshas Chayasura, the first two sources... We are told, that Yitzchak and Yishmol bury Avram in the Maras HaMachpelah. Rashi notes the fact that Yitzchak is mentioned before Yishmol. So Rashi says, from here we learn, from here we see that Yishmol did Shuvah. And he let Yitzchak go before him. So, the question is, what is he doing tshuva for? First question. What is he doing tshuva for that this is telling us from here we see that he did tshuva? That's the first question. So let's go ahead, source three and four, and let's see what he has to be doing tshuva for. So, <clears throat> we learned in Parshas Vayera last week. Vatera Sora is ben Hogar HaMisri, and Sora saw the son of Hogar the Egyptian, who gave birth to him, to Avram, mitzachek, playing. She saw that Yishmol was playing. What does playing mean? Rashi brings down from Chazal. I, I cut down the Rashi down to size. So mitzachek, you find out in Chazal, is a Lashon Avodah is an expression of idol worship. A Lashon Gilearais, expression of immorality. A Lashon Ritzicha, an expression of murder. And he was involved in all these three things. And as well, we see that he was quarreling with Yitzchak over the inheritance and said, I am the Bechor and I should get double. And then they'd go onto the field and Yishmael would start uh, shooting arrows at Yitzchak. So let's see now what's going on over here. Yishmael, really a bad fellow. He is transgressing the big three. He's transgressing the big three. So imagine, as it were, let's imagine you have a mafia boss. Okay, so think of a good Italian name for the mafia boss, whatever, Alfonso, whatever, I don't know. So Alfonso's a big, big mafia boss, mamish, he kills people all the time, he's an immoral guy, he's mamish, terrible guy. And then, you know, there's a big mafia funeral. Another fellow mafia guy dies, and Alfonso, who's the big mafia boss, he, you know, he turns to Luigi. He says, hey, Luigi, hey, you, you go first. You go lead the uh, the funeral. Oh, for Khan, we hear you see that Alfonso did tshuva. And he did tshuva in all his sins. Really? <laughs> I don't understand. You know, the guy murders, does terrible averos, terrible, terrible averos. And Rashi says, because he gives respect, courtesy to uh, Yitzchak, that means he did tshuva. How in the world do you see that? How do you see that? Okay, where's Rashi get, getting this from? Chazal, it's coming from Chazal. And we know, if you really want to know what Shuvah is, we know the Rambam has told us what's the sign that your person has done complete Shuvah. We say it's a, it's a person, if the same situation comes up again, the same place, time, person, etc., etc., and he is able to control himself, that is a good sign. Well, I don't understand. I mean, this, we're at a funeral now. 
This is not the situations where Yishmael was killing and murdering people and being immoral. So it's very difficult to understand. From here we see that Yishmael did shuvah. That's the opening question for today. Okay. Uh, next question, going back to last week's parsha again. When uh, <clears throat> Yishmael and Hagar are thrown out of the house, so they, they run out of water, and uh, Yishmael is crying out to Hashem, and Hagar's crying, and the Malach turns to Hagar in source 5 and says, Al-Tiri, don't be afraid, Hashem has heard the voice of the young lad, Ba'asher Husham, where he is. Those three words are clearly extra because it just should have said Hashem heard the voice of the Nar. So Rashi brings down from Chazal, Ba'asher Husham means, source six, based on the actions he's doing now, that is what he is judged for. And that what's going to happen in the future. What's going on over here? Nebuch Yishmol, he's mamish dying. And Hashem is having compassion. And Hashem wants to do a miracle for Yishmol and bring him a spring of water. Comes along the prosecuting angels and they say, Master Universe, he in the future is going to have descendants that are going to kill your children through thirst. You're going to create a well for him now? That was a famous story when the Jews went into Golis and they were passing by their cousins. They say, oh, they're going to they're gonna be nice to us. And the Bnei Yishmael gave the Jews lots of salty fish to eat so they wouldn't be hungry, but they got twice as thirsty. It was time for a thirst. They didn't give them anything to drink. So they were cruel. So you're going to let this kid live? And Hashem responded, What is he now? Tzadik or Russia? Now don't read the rest of the Rashi. Don't look. What is he now? A Tzadik or Russia? You give me the answer. Russia, right? Now, Remember, Sorosayus Mitzachek, right? Doing all three cardinal sins. It's the next day, he's thrown out of the house. Not a lot of time to have any changes, yes? So the answer should be, what is he now? You should say Russia. What did the Malachim answer? Look at the Rashi. I'm a low tzaddik. How did you say he's a tzaddik? Rashi told us a few seconds before, he does the three cardinal sins. How can you say he's a tzaddik? Amr lahem, so Hashem says, okay, now that you agree he's a tzaddik, you know Hashem agrees. So lefimasov shal ashav anidono, I judge him based on his present actions. And that's what the Pasuk means, v'zeo b'asher husham. And that's what it means, b'asher husham, where he is now. Pilaploim, how could you, I understand, like, you know, okay, he hasn't murdered uh, uh, Jews, okay, because there aren't any Jews to murder. I mean, didn't not to the extent that his descendants would. Now, what's going on over here? That's the second question. Someone's got to keep track of the questions so I don't get lost like last week. Okay, let's move on to the next source. Source seven. So okay, so the miracle happens. He has water, and a few seconds later, it says Vayosh Vayeshev b'midbar paran. Yishmael lives in the wilderness of Parn. His mother finds him a wife from Egypt. Now, without looking at the Rashi sources, why does he find him a wife from Egypt? Just give me a simple Balabatisha answer. She was Egyptian. So be with your own kind. 
I don't know what we need a Rashi for, but Rashi comes along and says, Mimkom Gidulel, from the place she was brought up. Okay, that, that's obvious. Shinemar, because it said, And she had an Egyptian maidservant. But now Rashi throws in one of these great Talmudic aphorisms. This is what people say. Throw a stick up into the air. And then, And then it'll fall back and stand on its element. <laughs> What's Rashi telling us this aphorism? Throw a stick in the air, it falls back. What's, what's Rashi? What do you need this whole Rashi for? That's question number three. Okay. Now, let's uh, let's back up to the end of Parshish Lech Lecha, right before the bris milah of Avram Avinu. And Hashem tells Avram, you're going to circumcise. Everyone should get circumcised. It's going to be a covenant between me and between you, etc., etc., and then he says, I'm changing your name to Avram, I'm changing your wife's name to Sarai, and now you're going to have a child, and you're going to call him Yitzchak. Wow! And then, source 9, Vayomer Avram, Elohim, Hashem says, Avram says Hashem, Vu Yishmael Yichyolofanecha. Oh, that Yishmael might live by your favor. What does he seem to be saying? He says, okay, it's great news, I'm going to have Yitzchak. I, would, I wouldn't mind if Yishmael would, would take over. I wouldn't mind if Yishmael would take over. Now, with this, we have to... There's two ways of looking at this line that we have to ask questions on. Number one, I don't understand. Your wife, Sarah, and you've been davening for so many years to have a child. Hashem now says, you're going to have a child. You're going to have your own child. And uh, and Avram is kind of saying, well, you know, not such a big deal. You know, if I have Yishmael, that would also be amazing. Like, how could he hurt Sarah by still insisting that Yishmael should be the heir? A. B. If he says that Yishmael should be the heir, must be he thinks Yishmael is capable of being the heir. I mean, Avram is not delusional. He knows exactly who Yishmael is. And he feels Yishmael could be the heir. So much so, let's look at the next source. In the, in the next Parsha, when the three guests come, he gives the cattle to the to, to the lad. It says, and who is the lad? Elanar Zayishmal. And Rashi says, Lachan to train him in religious duties of Achnosas Orchim. So obviously, he felt that he was a good boy. Now he got circumcised at thirteen. So let's try to understand something here. So at thirteen. Hashem tells him, you're going to have Yisrael. He says, listen, I wouldn't mind if Yishmael be the heir. That means he really feels Yishmael could be the heir. And he indeed gives Yishmael a mitzvah to do right afterwards. Now, let's think about this. You know, there's always something we always say, but there's another part we always forget to say. We almost could be guilty of fake news where you omit certain critical points. You know, everyone makes a big deal about Avram. Avram, oh, he was 99, he circumcised himself, and, and he and he ran to do the mitzvah of Nasazorchim. That's all true. Wait a minute, how come we don't have anything nice to say about Yishmael? Yishmael was 13, okay, he's not 99, but you take a 13-year-old and circumcise him and see how active he is on the third day. 
and he and, and his father says, "Here, go and shech the go and shech the the cattle." And he runs to shech the cattle too. How come no coverage on your small? So we're guilty of fake news, right? omitting very important things. No. So I mean, this is really telling us. That Yishmael is quite a wonderful fellow. No, nothing bad about him. He's good. He's really good. Avram is convinced he could be the heir. Hey, he's willing to get circumcised. Remember, did Asaph get circumcised? Hello? Asaph did not get a bris. Why? When he was born, he was red. They thought he was a hemophiliac. We don't know what. So, okay, we're not going to circle. We'll wait. We'll wait till he's 13, like we did with Yishmael. He was 13. He said, okay, now it's time to, to get to his circumcision. No, I don't want it. Yishmael said, okay. Yishmael's a really good boy. A budding, uh, a budding Ben Torah. So the question is, so what happened? What happened to Yishmael? By the time he's thrown out of the house, at most, he's 18. At most. Could be maybe a little more. I don't know exactly, but, you know, somewhere between 15 and 18. What in the world happened to this kid? That he turned into, he went, how did he go off to Derek? Hmm. Okay, that, that's the real question. Okay, that's okay. That's, well, let's move on. Masachek was after 13. Masachik was after 13. Look at the order of the, the stories. The end of Lech Lechoi gets a circumcision. The middle of Ayera is Masachik. Masachik. Okay, let's move on. Source 11 and 12. At the end of last week's Parsha, the beginning of the Akedah, Vayash came Avram Aboker. Avram gets up early in the morning. He saddles his donkey. Vayikach eshnei norovito. He takes two lads with him. Vayikach his son. Who are the two lads? Says Rashi, Yishmael, and Eliezer. I don't understand. Yishmael got kicked out of the house. What's Yishmael doing back in the house? Just, just, just happens to come back? Oh, not everything, everything got better? How did everything get better? Oh, what's going on over here? This is many years before Rashi says, Mikan we see, he did Shuva. Right? Uh, Kedis Yitzhak, Yitzhak's 37. Yishmael is 51. Avram still is going to live another 38 years. That rationals he does Shuvah is 38 years later. So, like, who invited him to the party? And if he was, why was he invited to the party? To the uh, Akeda. Okay, these are the Yishmael micro questions. Now let's move on to the macro level. Source 13. Interesting, Amor and Sanhedrin. Amor and Sanhedrin tells a number of stories where enemies of the Jews went to Alexander the Great to have complaints against the Jews. Now remember, Alexander the Great, when he was controlling the entire world, and Israel, even though we had a base on English, we were a vassal state to the Greeks. So it says that the Bnei Yishmael and the Bnei Keturah came before Alexander the Great and they said, Eretz Kena'an Shalonu Vishalachet. The land of Israel belongs to us, it belongs to them, the Jews. And they bring up proof from this week's and next week's Parsha. It says, Ve'ela told us Yishmael ben Avram. It says, These are the descendants of Yishmael, the son of Avram. And then in the beginning of next week's Parsha, Ela told us Yitzchak ben Avram. 
So, just like Yitzhak's a descendant of Avram, so is Yishmael a descendant of Avram. So the land belongs to both of us. So the Jews sent Geviah ben Psisa to defend them. And just skip a little bit down into the source there. So he said, so where are you bringing your proof that the land of Canaan belongs to both you and the Jewish people? He said, from the Torah. So he said, look, I'll bring a proof from the Torah too. So what does he do? He brings some psukim at the end of this week's parsha. It says, Vayitain Avram, es kol asher Like he gave everything that he had to Yitzchak. Ulebnehapilakshim, and to these children of the concubines, which were to Avram, Avram gave them gifts and sent them away. So he says, no, what, what would you say over here? In the case of a father who gave a document, a bequest to his sons during his lifetime, and sent some of the sons away from the other, doesn't he mean to say that that son has no claim against the other sons? The father himself divided his problem before in his lifetime. In other words, I himself sent them away. What are you drinking me a cup? So there's two questions of his Gemara. Question number one is, the proof that they're bringing is only that Yishmol should have a chilek in the land. So what's Keturah? that sends a Keturah missing a rhyme. There's no Pasuk that says that they, uh, uh, Ela told those uh, Keturah, whatever, uh, um, the sons of Keturah. A. B. Why did Gavia have to find a proof from this week's Parsha? What about the entire Sefer Tvarim? All over the place says that the land is given to you, B'nai Yisrael. That's it. Why are you bringing this pasuk? Okay. That's a macro question. Now there's another interesting question. Uh, right at the end of uh, of this week's Parsha, it tells us about how old Ishmael was when he died. It says he lived 137 years. Right at the end of the page. So Rashi flipped the page. He says, why do we got to know this? Why do, we have to, do you think the Torah always tells us the ages of, of, of Rishoyim? Do we know how old Esav was when he died? No. I mean, really, if you really look about it, who do we know who was not a, a, a Jewish tzaddik that we know their age? What do we need to know his age for? So Rashi gives us a brief answer. He says, in order to trace through them the years of Yaakov, and it's, there's another Rashi at the end of Toldos that's a really long Rashi. And I don't want to confuse everybody here. But if you try to make all the calculations of everything that happened to Yaakov's life, because we know that Yishmael was 137 when he died, and we also know that's exactly the same time that Yitzchak gave the bracha to Yaakov. And at that time Yaakov ran away. And we're able to deduce from the fact that Yishmael was 137, that Yaakov was 63. Don't ask me how, because we're gonna, you're going to get lost in the math. And then he's 63. And then when he has Yosef, he's 91. So when he starts doing the math, the time that he's Yishmael, uh, the time he's by Lavan and all this, you're 14 years short. You're missing years. Now we know that only because it says Yishmael is 137, and therefore we're able to know that Yaakov was 63, when he went to Lavan, and when you calculate it, we're missing 40 years. From here we learned he was in the Yeshiva Shem Weber for 14 years. So therefore, without knowing that Yishmael was 137 when he died, we wouldn't know this fact. 
So the question is, what are you dragging me a cup with your shmol? There's so many other ways Hashem could have hinted to the fact that Yaakov was hiding in the Shiva Shem for 14 years. Why connect it to the death of Yishmol when you could have done a lot of other things? You could have just said, and Yitzhak, when he wanted to give the blessing, Yitzhak, when it said he was getting old, he should have said Yitzhak was 123. Then I'd know that Yaakov was 63. And then I'd also know that straight, without all the multiple calculations, all predicated on the death of Yishmol. Why do you need to know that? Is that enough questions to keep us busy? Okay. So let's let's develop an answer, starting with Yishmol, and then expanding on to his descendants. So let's go back and analyze this Yishmol over here. Okay, Yishmol is born to Hagar. How many people are happy about this? Two? Two? Three, three. Three. Three people are happy. Avram is thrilled. Hagar is over the moon. And Sarah is very happy because it was her idea to begin with. Right? It was her idea to begin with. She wanted Hagar to have a son. That's the whole point. She says, go marry Hagar. And by her having children, it'll be a schluss for me to have children. So she knew that Yishmael was her ticket to ride. So this fellow is mamish. Imagine you have... You have He's a Ben Zakunim, right? You imagine, you know, Ben Zakunim syndrome, right? But he's got three parents who are doting over him. How many of you can say that you had three parents that were giving you love and attention for the first 13 years of your life? Yeah? So, and he's probably getting good chinuch. He's getting good chinuch all around. And as we said, he's told about the brismila. No problem. He's going to have a bris milah. Even though we know Avram himself said to Hashem, he said, I don't know if I'm going to do the bris milah. As we mentioned last week in the Medrash, I'm maybe not going to have any guests anymore. No, he did it anyway. Shmuel did it anyway. Shmuel's running around for the guests. Yeah, Avram's being machanachim. It's Everything's going amazing. So he's saying, so what happened? Well, let me take it a step further to make it very clear. There's another point, another subtle nuance, but it's not so subtle, the application of this. What's the significance? I, I just touched on it briefly last week. What's the significance of, of having a bris milah? That a Jewish person has a bris milah? So, you know, on the one hand, you could say, well, that's a nice thing. And uh, it's a mitzvah. It's one of the 613 mitzvahs. But it's much more than that. It's much more than one more mitzvah. What's happening now is Hashem has changed the way He runs the world. What do we mean? When Hashem created the world, we had Adam Arishon, and in that time, all men were created equal. All men were created equal, which means Hashem has given us six commandments, and then with Noah, a seventh commandment, for all of humanity, there's a universal man. Religion was universal. Hashem wanted the same from everyone. Everyone had the same status. Everyone had the same obligations. Depending on if you did the right choices, you were more favored. If you did the wrong choices, you were less favored. If you really tried very hard to help humanity and whatever, you could even become a Navi like Noah was. If you're really a terrible person, Hashem would really let you have it. Fine. Everyone was created equal. 
But then after the bris, Hashem said, from now on, not everyone is created equal. Because it's more than just a mitzvah of a surgical procedure removing the orla. Starting with Avram Avinu, Hashem says, I have a certain relationship with the universal man, as it were. And then I have a special relationship with you, Avram. Because it's not merely a mila that is happening. Remember, the mitzvah of mila means to, to mal, to circumcise. But Hashem, over and over, if you look back at Parakut Zion, over and over Hashem keeps using the word bris. Bris means a covenant. A covenant means that we have a special relationship going on over here. I have a special relationship with you. I expect a, you have a special relationship with me. This is where love becomes a very integral part of the relationship. And Hashem says, you know, I'm going to love you more than other people. And I expect you to love me more than other people love me. And therefore you get many blessings that come with this. And part of all the many blessings that come with this, take a look at source 16, 17, 18. He says, I give you the land of Israel. Nobody was given the land of Israel yet. Avram was given, only Avram was given the land of Israel. And I will be to them as a God. And Rashi says, what does that mean? He says that you can have a special relationship with Hashem, especially in Eretz Yisrael. And we know whoever lives outside of Eretz Yisrael is as if he doesn't have a God. So this isn't just merely... You know, you did an extra mitzvah. As Jews, you know, there's all kinds of religions in the world, and Jews have their thing that they do, different than other people do. The bris is an expression that I have a special relationship with you and your children only. And the rest of the world is way, way, way behind. Now, what does that do for a person's self-esteem to know he's like really, really special? Good. It's good. Now, <clears throat> Yishmuel, he said, he says, Abba, why are, we, why are we circumcising ourselves? It's kind of weird. Says, well, Shem's making a special, special relationship with us. Only being in you and the people who are with us, we're really special. Wow. Really special? Yeah. I'll do it. I'll circumcise myself because I want to be part of that special group. And then he's running to do chesed. Wow. Self-esteem. <sighs> okay. But there's a little part of this whole discussion that Avram most likely did not share with Yishmael. And that's source 18 and 19. In the midst of this discussion that Hashem's only telling Avram, Hashem says, Avosara Ishtacha Yoledes. And after all, and, and after everything that Hashem uh, uh, says to Avram, I just want to make sure I'm not uh, skipping anything. And Hashem, you know, promises everything. He says, Hey, you're going to have a job. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. 
So now, and uh, and after Avram says, yeah, but and you got to have a child, but but you know, you're small. He he's great. I, I mean, I'm okay if the covenant with him. So in eighteen and nineteen, Hashem now responds, "Vayom Elokim, ishtecha, you'll let us but your wife Sarah's going to have a child." His name is going to be Yitzchak, and here's the critical words. Vakimosi esbrisi ito. I'll make my covenant with him. Levris Olam, for an eternal covenant. Going on. Uli in the middle of that source. Birachti also. I'm going to also bless him. Herbesi also, and I'm going to make him big. Bifresi. He'll have 12 tribes. He'll be a big nation. But again, Vesbrisi, Akimas Yitzchak. But my covenant will be with Yitzchak. Rashi points out, why keep saying my covenant is going to Yitzchak? He already said I have a covenant with your descendants. Rashi says, because I want to make sure that when I said it was a covenant with your descendants, the end of the Rashi says, it might be inferred that the children of Yishmael and the children of Keturah are included in the promise of the establishment of the covenant. Therefore, it states here, and I will establish my covenant with Yitzchak and not with the others. Now, it's pretty obvious. I don't think Avram would mention that to Yishmael at this time. I think I'd be pretty certain. But he has to explain to Yishmael why we're getting a covenant, why we're getting a bridge. Wouldn't that mean that no, no, Hashem's saying, Hashem is, no, 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 hang, that's a good question, but Hashem still wants you to get a bris, you have to see why, see why, we'll see soon, good question. Okay, so now, we're, so Yishmo, he's on top of the world, man, he is mamish, he's 13, mamish, he's on top of the world, he's special, he's everything. And two year, then, what happens a year later, Yitzchak's born. Okay, now Yishmo's 14. Two years after that, oh, they wean Yitzhak and make a big mishta, a big party. Shmuel said, I didn't get a party. What's my younger brother getting a big party? And then it's becoming clear that Yitzhak's going to be the skion of the family. Now, what would we, what would you say Yishmuel is going through at this point in time? One word, trauma. Trauma. He is being displaced as the skion, A. B. And then by this point in time, he's probably asking his father, Abba, I don't understand. Why is Yisrael the skion? I'm the older brother. I'm your Bahor. Well, Yisrael, let me explain a few things to you. <laughs> Shem did tell me a few other things. I mean, no need to tell Yishmael at the time because, you know, diets are Vishaita. Like, why, let's wait till Yishmael's born. You know, just because the Sem said so doesn't mean it's going to necessarily mean believed it, but, you know, just wait. So now he finally has to let him know that, you know, you should know you're a wonderful child, Yishmael, but Yitzhak is, is going to be the one. So, don't you ever have these situations in life? You come across either with your own children or with your friends' children or with students you teach that, you know, by the time a kid's bar mitzvah, he's like, Mom, is the shining star of the class, the shining star of the family. The bar mitzvah boy, he laned beautifully. He has good mitos in school, all olives, all A's. And then something happens a couple of years later, all of a sudden he becomes a bum and goes off the derrick. And how does that happen, you wonder? 
And everyone says, well, we have unfiltered internet, and we have this, and we have that, and I'm not saying not, but I'm not saying yes either. How does that happen? How does the king go off to Derek? The answer is, there must be some kind of trauma going on in his life. And trauma takes its face in many different ways. I could give you one example. And the same thing with girls, but I'm not a girl, so it's hard for me to relate. But it's same idea, same idea. With a boy, it's easier, just easier to explain. You know, how are you, how does, a, how does a, a young person get self-esteem? What is self-esteem? I'm good at this, right? I'm special. So in school, especially if you're a boy, if you're good in sports, that really is a big thing. Or another one, equally as big, if you're really good as a student, especially in a Haredi school where learning Torah is the most important thing in life. So when a kid is young, you know, let's say for the first 13 years, he happens to grow faster than everybody. He's the biggest, strongest, fastest, and he's the best kid in hockey. So he's always the captain. He's always picking who gets to play. He's on top of the world, and he really feels good about himself because he's a good hockey player. But then, you, usually after Bar Mitzvah, then the hormones can play all kinds of games with all kinds of people, and the kid who's taller and bigger and stronger at 13 by 16 may not be any more. All of a sudden, he's not the best hockey player, and he's not the captain anymore. He's not picked first. Or, if you want to take it in the educational realm, you know, till you're 13, the level of learning and what type of brain power is necessary is of a certain variety, more the memorization of the brain and not so much the Bina and Das aspect, being able to contrast and compare and working more with logic. And although, although the kid was really good at memorizing, got hundreds on his test because schools only teach you to memorize facts that you're going to forget anyway a few weeks later. But all of a sudden, when you got to really start learning Gemara seriously and halt cup in a sugya for three pages... And the kid's just not, doesn't have that kind of brains. And all of a sudden, Gemara, he ain't so good. And unfortunately, yeshivas, they value your worth from the Hanhola down in terms of how much in good you're at Gemara. Because if not, you're an abject failure in Yiddishkeit. And they don't say it like the way I said it, but they say it the way they behave. And all of a sudden, he realizes he's a loser. He's never going to be an important person in the Jewish people. Because he really, it's, it's, this is Gomorrah. Yeah, when you grow up, you're going to learn Gomorrah. You're going to go to Yeshiva, you're going to learn Gomorrah 12 hours a day. And then you're going to go to Yeshiva after high school. And you're going to be in Kola and all these things. And what are we doing? We're just learning Gomorrah all day long. So now, is that kid not in trauma? At 13, he was such a wonderful kid. What happened? Don't blame the internet on it. It's an easy excuse. And Rosh Hashivas love to play the internet card. They should be Michael me for me criticizing them. Why do you think they're going to the internet? It's because you set up a system that makes him feel like he's a failure. And he's going through trauma. When a person is going through trauma, what does he need more than anything else? What What's trauma a result? It could be any kind of trauma. It could be any kind. Of, let's say you have a um, 
a, a, a nice boy and his and he's fifteen and his father gets killed. Lolling. You took all that trauma? Part of life was I have a daddy. Daddy takes me, we play, daddy we learn I mean, I got no father. So the way life was here was good, and now it's gone. That's what trauma really is. Life isn't going to be this way anymore. And now you don't know where to find yourself. So now you're obviously, you're going to look to find yourself somewhere else, aren't you? That's normal human development. People are social people. People are people who want to feel they have a purpose, right? And and as long as you know you were good at sports or good in school or your parents loved you and you had you had your place, and everything's fine. When you have your place, people don't look generally don't look to get in trouble. Generally speaking, the the the, the child who's good in school and is always good in school. The child who has friends and always has friends. The child who's always good in sports and is good in sports. A child who has loving parents, all these things. He ain't going to the internet. He doesn't need it. Because he's very happy where he is. You just have to make sure you don't have any, you know, any, any, any really stupid mistakes. But he doesn't have a tithe to go on the internet. He doesn't have a tithe to, to get drunk on Purim. Or every Shabbos, rather. Purim's exception. You can get drunk on Purim. So what, where is that coming from? Because they don't really have a place. So they figure, okay, you know what? If I start drinking, that's a really good place. I don't, I don't feel the pain. And there's a there's a number of guys who drink, and I'll be cool in that way. I'll be a connoisseur of single malt scotch. And now we can even move on to marijuana. Now it's legal, and that's gonna be my place. You know, I. I'm a very attractive girl or boy. And there's a whole world that appreciates good looks. And I'll be accepted for my good looks. And they get themselves into all kinds of trouble with their good looks. The whole area of getting involved prematurely in sexuality. Why? Because they got nowhere else to feel good. You follow what I'm saying? And of course, what about a world of crime? To succeed in crime, to get a lot of money, I might as well try to find my place where I can make a lot of money. You, you're following me here. So when a person goes off the derech, or does even the three cardinal sins, more often than not, it's a result of trauma that happens. So doesn't Yishmael fit the trauma card really well? Everything that he has, the rug is pulled out from under him. So he can't find himself. He can't find himself. And the whole rest of the world, remember, you told me I was special, Abba. Now you're telling me Yitzhak is more special. So now what's going to make Yishmael feel good? Well, let me try with the rest of the world. What's the rest of the world do? That's the world. They kill, they this, you know, he, he must have been strong and Handsome and all the other things, skillful. He's good with an arrow, bow and arrow. So he's going to live his life that way. Now here's the real question. Okay, you with me so far? So he's off the derech. You should give this year to every Rosh Hashiva you know. 
and they're going to mach it in the first five minutes. But anyway, okay. So what did I say? So so he so he's so he's off the derech. So the child goes off the derech. Here's the question: Is he a tzaddik or is he a rosh? So if you're a rosh yeshiva, stand rosh yeshiva. He's a rosh. Throw him out of my yeshiva. I don't want nothing to think about it. Uh, it's your problem. It's not my problem. You see, Hashem disagrees with the Rosh Hashivas. He disagrees. Oh, wait, one more thing. One more thing. So he's been trauma, yeah? He's in trauma. He's in real trauma. And then what happens? The father who loves him more than anything in the world throws him out of the house. Sora loved him too. Don't make a mistake for one minute that Sora loved him too. But she had to make a tough decision. You'll see in a minute why. And really because she loved him, she did this. You'll see. So everybody who, two out of the three who loved him, threw him out. Now he's got his mother. His mother alone, she's also in trouble. And then, and then he's dying and she can't even bear to be next to him. So she casts him a bit aside. And now he's mom, he's got nothing. Okay? Question. Who set him up? Who put him in this situation? The answer is? Yes, what? Hashem. Hashem! Who came up with this bright idea? I'm not criticizing Hashem. I'm just... Who came up with this bright idea that Avram and Yitzhak, they are going to be the members of the bris and not Yishmael? Was this Avram's idea not to make Yishmael the Skion? Was it Shalom's idea not to make him the Skion? Was it Avram's idea to throw him out of the house? Or even Saras? Even it's Saras, but they went to the to the, to the Godel Hador. What do you say, Hashem says, listen to Sar. So I'm trying to understand this. You're a nice, good boy at 13. And what does Hashem do to you? He messes up your life. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. But did Hashem do the same thing to Avram? Hashem gave him ten tests. Yes, he did. And guess what? Avram was really amazing. He was really amazing. He passed all the tests. Yasher Kayach. Now, does that mean that's normal way to live your life? I mean, Avram was beyond. He was amazing. The fact that Hashem gives you unbearable tests and you fail them, does that make you a Russia? And the fact that you don't have a sense of self, who created that environment for you not to have a sense of self, if not the Rabbeinah Shalom with, Eli, with Yishmol here? And how about our young little Yeshiva Bacher in the 21st century who's 16 years old and he's finding himself lost? Who doesn't understand Gomorrah? How come it is? Because Hashem didn't give a brain to know Gomorrah. Yes or no? Am I wrong? Am I, am I missing something over here? Am I totally missing the boat here or what? So who knows more who's really behind his downfall? Okay. So now we have to judge this boy. Judge this boy. Now, he's doing all these kinds of things. Now, Ishmael is now praying to Hashem, Hashem, please save my life. Now, of course, he's doing things that are not appropriate. There's no question about it. And now he's asking himself his life. 
And Hashem has two options on the table. Yeah, let's just kill him. Let's just kill him. Well, what have I gained by killing him? I mean, I set him up to fail. He failed and I killed him. Isn't that, like, not fair? I mean, is God that cruel? I mean, Yishmael would have had to be mamish like Avram Avinu to pass. But he wasn't. So you're not like Avram Avinu makes you a Russia? Now, let's say, let's change this a little bit. Let's say you have a person that everything's going right for him. He's Geshmak and Gemara and his parents love him and it's a wonderful marriage and he has great sisters and his Rebbe loves him. Everybody loves him. And then he decides to do terrible things. You know, well, that's a different story. It wasn't the trauma that caused it. That's very rare. That's very rare that that would happen. You'd have to be called Asa for that. You see, Esav, Esav didn't really have any trauma. He was just really wicked. He was just really wicked. But that's that's the except. That, that's a goy. That's not a you. Okay. So when 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 Yishmol is getting into this bad stuff, it's because he wants to get into this bad stuff. Well, it's it's that he saw no alternative in his life. It's like he's he's trying out different things. I'm trying to find a way to find my place. And because of the trauma that he's involved with. So, you know, how can you say, now, here now the question is, live or die? Live or die? It's like, this is a case like he's being brought to the court. The court aside, for the sins he did, should we kill him or not? Well, if he's guilty, he's Russia. Sadik can also mean Sadik but also din. Sadik in this judgment. Sadik in, we have to judge if we kill him or not. Was this what we would call something self-initiated that brought him to this? Now look carefully at the words of Rashi now, backing it up to source number, uh, I don't remember it is now, six. Yeah, six. Look at Rashi says exactly. He's based on the actions he's doing now, now in a state of trauma. He is judged. So Hashem says, there's no way, according to a Torah court, that I should kill him. I'm not saying what he did was good. I'm not saying we're justifying what he's done. But I know more than anybody else that I may, I brought it to him. Okay. So now Hashem figures. So now, this is at the lowest spot. He's like, Mamash the Derech, lowest spot. Mamash, you know, let's say... Contemporary, you know, kid took drug overdose. He's in the emerge. That's how far down it goes. Yishmol is thousands of Jewish boys and girls today. Thousands of them. It's all just different ways you get into trauma. It's all kinds of ways. And technology doesn't help it at all. So the internet, is the internet the problem? The internet just becomes one of the options. You don't think kids went off the derech 100 years ago, 200 years ago, that was one after Derek. And they went to whatever was available then. To say we answer these things doesn't help the problem. If you would just try to understand the trauma they're going through and to lessen the trauma for them and to help them find a place within their trauma, they would never think of going to these places. And, you know, you tell, you tell the guy, tell the guy who can't learn Gomorrah, and say, I'm a nobody. I want to know, do they say, you know what? It could be Gomorrah isn't for you. I think you should join Hatzalah. 
What do you think being a Hatzalah does for your self-esteem? You save people's lives. You know what? I see you like to use your hands. And you know, if a Jew has a clogged up sink on an Arab Shabbos, the Goy doesn't really care who says it comes on Monday, but you're a Yid, you want to come and you'll come even Arab Shabbos to fix the sink. You know what Chesed you could do by just being an honest plumber? You know what kind of Kiddush Hashem you could make by being an honest plumber, not overcharging people and really wanting to fix it so it stays fixed for a long time? You know, you could make a bigger Kiddush Hashem than many boys studying in Yeshiva. Somehow nobody ever thinks of saying those kinds of things. Because it doesn't pass that you should be plumbers. Okay, anyway. So what we got, Ishmael's at the bottom. Now we got to see, can we get them out of there? Okay, so now we understand why our kids are at risk. Why they go after Derek. How are we going to get them out? Number one, Hashem said, you know what I'm going to do? I mean, when's anybody recognized this guy lately? I'm going to recognize him. I'm going to make a miracle just for him. So even though maybe nobody cares about him, but he knows that I care about him. What does that do for your self-esteem when God does a personal miracle for you? Okay, so it could be that, uh, would it be any different that if, you know, the kid got thrown out of school, he has nowhere to go, and this balabas sees the guy and says, you know, I'm going to take an interest in you. Why don't you come and work in my plumbing, uh, plumbing uh, store? And I'll teach you the ropes. Wouldn't that be a miracle? A stranger says, oh, I heard this kid's off the dare. Here, come on, we'll work as a plumber. I'll teach you the tools of trade. Ten years from now, you'll make a good parnasa. Okay, so Shem does a miracle for him. And now comes the next thing. Hugger, Hugger realizes what the problem is. So what does Hugger do? He has to find his place. So maybe you don't have a place in being the Jewish people. But maybe you do have a place amongst non-Jews. Is it such a terrible place to be? So what does she do? She finds an Egyptian girl. Now you understand what Rashi is saying over here. Now Rashi isn't just throwing in some nice aphorisms. Rashi is saying, where am I? Uh, 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 No, where is it? Uh, You know what I'm looking for. Yeah, number eight. Throw a stick in the air. Obviously, Mary Jew, because they use it. Throw a stick in the air and it will fall back to its element. Let's find, find a place where he'll find some success in life. And he can find success as a non-Jew. And now we have to bring in another little knech that's very important to, to fill in the gap over here. So somebody asked, well, what, what did Gashem bother giving him a bris milah for? The answer is, it's very interesting. It seems that there's two aspects in the mitzvah of Mila. There's a mitzvah of Mila, and there's a second aspect, the bris. And it's possible to have a Mila and not a bris. And that's what Yishmael had. As you see, interestingly, in the Rambam, source 23, Rama says in the laws of Mila, But there ain't no bris with them. 
So what's happening here, it appears that what Hashem was doing, even at the time of the Mila, Hashem was saying there's going to be three types of human beings on the planet. You have the regular B'nai Noach, who have rational laws of social order, that's all they have, no relation with Hashem, no specialness at all. On the other extreme, you have the B'nai Avram Avinu, who are members of the covenant of the Brits with Hashem, who have a very, very special relationship with Hashem. Polaric, extreme, Shane Kamal. And then you got the Bnei Ketura, the Bnei Yishmal, who have the Mila, but not the Bris. They're not one with Hashem, but they're more special than other Bnei Noach, because at least they've done something to perfect part of their body, and have the potential to be less self-centered because they've reduced the pleasure from part of their body. Although they're not part of the bris and the covenant, you follow. And they could serve as a great bridge between the extremes that exist. That's Yishmal. Maybe that's your purpose in life. Okay. What? How is it expected them to do that? How do they build a bridge? By the, well, they're the bridge because let's put it this way. Do, does honestly now does the secular world believe in God? Secular meaning our secular. No, world. the secular world. Okay, we're going to divide the world into three parts, four parts: <laughs> Jews, Muslims, and the rest. Because Christians aren't different than atheists. Because Christians have corrupted the concept of God. They believe it. Shituf, God, this other, this partnership, this, three parts of God, this and that. It's all, it's, all, it's all not our God. It's all not our God. Okay? Now, there's only two nations in the world that have God's name attached to them. Yisrael, Yishmael. Okay? So you got Jews who are mamish, whoa, emulating God, Vekas Vashem, whoa, that's like unbelievable. And you got the rest of the world, they have nothing to do with God. They talk about God, they don't even know what they're talking about, they have no relationship with God, they're not interested in God. It's another tool for their idolatry. That's really what Christianity is, just another tool of idolatry. And then you got Yishmael, they, they believe in God, they pray to God five times a day. Okay, they, they, they have, they've made some mistakes in, in applying it, but they too believe that there is specialness in the world. You see, it's very interesting. When you are told that you are special, sometimes it's very hard to take that. And that's a big problem with secular Jews. They can't stand being known that they're special. Right? It helps when somebody else that's not as special as you agrees that there's a concept called special, and that's the Arabs. Because they understand there's number one is the Jews, number two is the Arabs, and then the rest of the world. And it's good that you got a lot of Muslims there. We got billions. So this is Remember, we we know in source twenty two why is Har Sinai called Har Sinai because it's similar to the word Sina, which is hatred. So why do you think it's Sina? Because once we accept the Torah, and now the whole nation it's now affirmed in front of the whole world and everybody that we are the chosen. They hate us for that. 
They hate us for that. All right? Now you can understand why Avram didn't want to get the bris milah initially. So I understand. I'm supposed to promote you. You're going to now tell me I'm special? I'm special? And I'm going to invite people and say, Hi, Mr. Not Special. I'm special. You want to come to the house? Get out of here. Don't worry, don't worry. Even even though you have it, I'll work it out. Don't worry. But you see, this is what Yishmael's destiny would be to be the non-Jew who is not as special as a Jew, but can be a special non-Jew. And frankly, if a non-Jew really davens to Hashem and believes in Hashem, Muslims, Mamish, believe in our Hashem. They do believe in our Hashem. Totally they believe in our Hashem. However, you know, they haven't worked through certain other issues. Okay? So this is now the game plan. So where are we up to now? So how uh, is Yishmael getting any better? Well, Hashem did a miracle for him. You're special. His mother, Hugger, very clever, understands, find him a wife. And I understand why Sarah wanted to kick him out of the house. Because that would be the best thing for him. It's not he can't see in the house because he's trying to kill Yisuf. He's a bad influence at Yisuf. Don't worry about a bad influence. Yisuf's not going to be influenced. How do you think he's going to be influenced by Yishmael when he's got Avram and Sarah over there? But it's not good for Yishmael to live as a nobody here. He's got to become who he's supposed to be outside of this place. This was the biggest chesed Sarah could do. And Hashem said she's right. He's got to find his place. Okay. So now Yishmael is a little bit, feeling a little bit better. Feeling a little better. Okay. But still, you can imagine, okay, he maybe doesn't want to kill Yitzchak, but he probably has resentment. Because after all, if it wouldn't be for Yitzchak, I would have been that. So now we have a very another important Rashi, which is where? 20 and 21. Last week's Rashi, before the, uh, before the uh, Akedah. Vayihi achar hadvar ma'ela, was after these words, velokim nisas avram, Hashem tazavram. What does it mean, vayihi achar hadvarim ha'ela? Rashi brings down, second opinion, after which words, the, the words of Yishmael. Sheimispor al Yitzchak, he glorified, he boasted in front of Yitzchak. Why? I got circumcised at 13 and I didn't protest. What do you have to say to that, Yitzchak? You had, when you're eight, you had no say in the matter. You know, I understand I got kicked out. I understand this. I understand. But you know what? I still resent the fact that, you know, I, I, I did something that was something you didn't do. He says, okay, let me ask you a question, Yishmael. This is before I say the next part of the Rashi, so you understand what Rashi's really saying. Okay, you did that, fine. You should only ask a question. So you were able to give up one piece of your body for Hashem. What if Hashem would tell you to die for him? Did you be ready to do that? Die? Yeah, die, you finished. Mm. I don't think so. Now read the rest of the Rashi. Rashi said, You think to intimidate me by mentioning the loss of one part of your body? If the Holy One blessed me, you were to tell me, sacrifice yourself to me, I would not refuse. All of a sudden, Yishmael realizes, now I understand why I'm not the Skion. I'm not the Skion. S-C-I-O-N. Skion means you're the big one that's taken over. That's a fancy word. Okay? So... You see, but but he would never have been able to cobble those kinds of words when he was still just thrown out of the house or in the house. Okay? 
So now he's being upset. Yes, yes, those kind of guy who give his life up. I'm not. So therefore, I understand why I shouldn't get it. And I understand why I can still be a good person by believing in Hashem and being a good second-class citizen, as it were, amongst the non-Jews. I'm still better than the rest of the non-Jews. And that's my job, to be the bridge between this great nation and these lowly people. But then again, he could have still said, well, you know, that's talk. Talk is cheap. Now, Abram's well aware of everything that's going on in his house. And we don't know exactly when this conversation takes place. But one thing's for sure, the Akedah is connected to it. Why? Because Abram says, Yishmael, eh, Yishmael's, you know, getting a little better, you know. And now, now Avram is told by Hashem he's got to do an Akedah. He says, Yishmael, would you like to come and uh, go on a little camping trip with us? A little trip with us? Why? Well, you know, whenever you do something, you got to remember this more. It's not just about you. Imagine when Avram gets this, the Akedah, this traumatic for Avram. I'm going to kill my son. Not kill my son. You get into yourself. But Avram realizes, you know, it's not just about me. It's about Yishmael too. You have to have presence of mind. Yishmael, I think it would be a good idea you came along with me with Eliezer. So you'll see, indeed, that Yitzhak is 100% prepared to kill himself for Hashem. And now there's nothing to be jealous about anymore. And now the trauma is completely over. When did he come back? Not clear. Not clear from, but, but clearly this discussion was before the Akedah. The Akedah is a result of this. And but the way we're working things here, obviously it's to show Yishmael where he is and where he isn't. Okay, and then they come down the mountain afterwards. And then it says, beautifully, they're all going together. All of them. First going up, Avram and Yitzchak. But the third time, Yishmael is able to go hand in hand with Yitzchak. Because you could do something I couldn't do. You could be a Rashiva, and I can be a plumber. Okay. So now, let's go back to our original question. Yishmol did tshuva, yeah? How do you know he did tshuva? We asked the question. How can you say he did tshuva? He did three cardinal sins. Just like Yitzhak go in front. That's tshuva on three cardinal sins. But no, that's exactly, it's like unbelievable. The Ram says, same place, same situation, everything, and he's able to, to overcome Okay, so he tried to kill Yitzchak. What, right? Now, of course, why was he doing that? Because he was in trauma. Okay, so how do you know you're a real Baal Tshuva? If you stop what you're doing beforehand. Now, here's the critical point in the steps of Tshuva over here. The steps of Tshuva you're doing, you're getting into places you shouldn't be going into. Now, if you're just looking at what you're doing, that's not really going to be Tshuva. Tshuva is when you're really looking at what's the real source of the problem. The real source of the problem is I'm in a place I shouldn't be. I'm not in any place. So the first step to tshuva is let me find the place that will I'll feel good in in a healthy way the way Hashem wants me to be in this place. Right? I mean, why, why do we? Why, why do you do any averus? A, a ruach shtus comes into you. What kind of ruach shtus? Because you, I don't have a place. So now the long 
pathway. So, I sh- so when it's time to decide to kill him or not, Hashem says, listen, that's coming from trauma. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to judge him based on that. That's why we read that we read Yishmal on Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, because Hashem judges us. And no, He's not going to judge us for what we're doing under trauma. He's going to judge us for, for us not trying to get out of the trauma. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. And that's why, if you remember the class I gave two and a half months ago in August, remember he had the ability to listen. It all fits into this. But we're not, I'm not going to review that part. Okay, so now, so now he's dealt, now finally all the trauma issues have been dealt with. Now, the question is, has he done tshuva? Now, for what? For all the Averis, he's got it. You've got to do tshuva for Averis you do during trauma, too. We don't excuse you. We can't say, well, it's during trauma, you don't have to do tshuva. Of course you have to do tshuva on that, too. But how are you going to do tshuva? You've got to repair the damage of the trauma and find yourself in a place where you belong. So now, how are we going to know he did tshuva? Same situation, same everything. And what is that? What is that is... Who's going to be the one to lead the funeral? Who is the skion of the family? Could very well have been that if Avram would have died shortly after throwing Yishmael out of the house, Yishmael would not have allowed Yitzchak to lead the funeral because he would contend that he should be the one. So this is a beautiful Rashi. Mikan, from here we say he did Shuva. Because the very thing that was bothering him, he could let it go. He got over the trauma. And that's real tshuva. That's real tshuva. Wow. Okay, now, that is all on the micro level. Good? That's on the micro level. And this is certainly a lesson for all from people. For all from people. It's exactly, you know, Yishmael is a human being like everyone else is a human being. And, and, and if we bother to read that Yishmael's life on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, obviously Hashem intends that that's something we have to learn that lesson. So when we're dealing with kids off the derech, or we don't want kids to go off the derech, you have to know he's got to find a place where he feels that he's self-actualizing. He's not going to get into any of those things. You know, forget about all the the asifas about the internet, and that has to be an asifa about self-esteem in Yiddishkeit. And let's promote the greatness of being a Frum Balabas instead of saying that you're a second-rate Jew. It would take out take care of more than anything or every Asif in the world. I mean, of course, we've got to know there's a danger of the internet. Of course, we have to know there's anything. But, but that time to get down to it is because you don't have the time for anything else. Okay? So now, that is all in terms of the micro level. And I think we answered the micro questions. What about Yishmael being 137? And because he's 137, because we understand now that Yaakov had 14 years of Shem Vever, what are we mixing around Yishmael with that? The answer is, what do you think Yaakov had to learn in the Yeshiva Shem Vever? What do you think he had to learn in the Yeshiva Shem that he didn't learn before? It's the first time he's going to deal with Goyim. For 63 years, he's in his house. He's special. But he doesn't understand, how does a special person live with people who aren't special? You understand? So, you need a whole Torah for that. You need 14 years to know that I can't, I'm special, 
the place I'm going, it's not like, oh, why can't I be more like Lavan? Because look how successful he is. Look at this. Well, Lavan, he's a zero level. So let's not compare ourselves. Just because Lavan has a cell phone doesn't mean I need to have a cell phone in shul. So you need 14 years of training to know, to appreciate what it means to be the Amanivchar. And I got to deal with people who are not part of the Amanivchar. You have to know how to deal with that. And Yaakov could go through, don't you think Yaakov is going to go through a certain amount of trauma? That everything was nice, that's got to go a different place? How's he going to deal with that trauma? So 14 years of trauma control. Well, why would we need that? How are we going to know that? We know that from Yishmael, and we calculate from Yishmael's life, because he had to go through trauma control too. And that's why we have to hint that Yishmael has a lot to do with Yaakov, because what the challenge is that Yishmael has, Yaakov also had in a certain way this challenge. Okay? Okay, that's all on the micro level. Now, the macro will not take nearly as long. Now, let's try to understand this. So Yishmael could come to terms with all this. Now, Yishmael, I'm sure he has children. He tells him, I just want you to know, this is the way life is. Little, little, uh, Abdul, I want you to know you're special. The rest of the guy, they're a bunch of idiots. They worship trees. They worship this. They don't believe in God. We believe in God. We pray five times a day. We have a, we have a bris. We're not as susceptible to the stupidities of the rest of the world. We even have potential, potential for a little bit more shlemus in our gashmias. And uh, you should know that uh, we are here to uh, affirm the special nature of our cousins, the Jewish people. And we can have healthy Yishmaelim in the world. But what happens when the Jewish people don't live up to their special obligations? Do you think Yishmael can take that? I don't get it. I'm number two because you're number one. You got a covenant with God, eh? You got a covenant with God. How come you're worshiping idols? How come you have bummers all over the place? How come you're killing people? Now, when Alexander the Great is ruling over the world, were the Jews at a very high spiritual place or not? Obviously not a very high spiritual place. At that point, the B'nai Ketur and the B'nai Yishmael say, wait a minute. Eretz Yisrael is ours. What, what, wait a minute, wait a minute. It says the same for Dvarim. We get this, we get, we get the land, we get this, we get all this stuff. Wait a minute. You only get it because you're special. But if you look in Dvarim there, it says, and you shall not follow the ways of the Canaan. And you will not do this, you will not do that because you are special people. So it's kind of one contingent on the other, No. So then I say, well, everything in Dvarim, that's out the window. All that stuff doesn't make any sense. You want to go back to the bris? The bris is. But it's a bris on your part too. You're special, but you have to live up to your specials. You're not living up to your specialness. Therefore, we contend it. And I, we ask, but the Pesukim only said about Yeshua, where does Ketur get in? But they all are circumcised. They're all circumcised. So now let's be honest. What's the difference between a Jew and an Arab in that time? They're all circumcised. They're probably down more than the Jews. Shem expects more from you and you turn them down. So, so we should have answers all. No. So what is uh says, yeah, you're right. But still, all, Avram sent you away notwithstanding that. 
And you're right, maybe on paper it doesn't look that way, but at the end of the day, everyone says, be that as it may, it's always going to be ours, and that's all. Well, that's an answer, that's an answer, but not as convincing of an answer. So what is this, and, and really, it's a Zohar that says all this in Source 24. For 400 years, the supervising angel Yishmael beseeched God. He said, whoever is circumcised has a portion with Didn't you say everyone is circumcised? Garfield, yes. Well, Yishmael is circumcised. How come he doesn't have a portion with you like Yitzhak? And Hashem replies, this one is circumcised properly, the other one's not so. Also, this one does it properly on the eighth day. But then the angel said, but despite all this, even though he is circumcised, he gets no reward? So God responded by distancing the children of Yishmael from himself in the upper worlds. In the upper worlds, you're going to have no shaykhs with me, Yishmael. You don't have this kind of relationship. And he gave them a portion below in the holy land because they are circumcised. In the future, the children of Yishmael will rule over the holy land for a long time. And while the land is empty, meaning empty from people, empty of Jewish merits, just as circumcision is empty and without completion. And they will hinder the children of Israel from returning to their place until the merit of the holy land runs out. What's the Zohar really saying over here? Zohar is saying, don't, you know, it's always, it doesn't bother the question why Hashem gives so much Hasloch to the Arabs. Saudi Arabia, Qatar, all these places, they're multi-billionaires. Where's this coming from? You know what? Because they have an amazing schus. They're amazing schus. They believe there's a concept of chosenness. And the rest of the world doesn't believe that. Now they're supposed to use it, and they would use it if there was some, for the benefit of the Jews, if the Jews had earned it. And there's different kufas in history where the, 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 the Arabs were kind of friendly to Jews. The Muslims at a certain school were friendly to Jews. And then there's certain kufas where it's not. So, but they have a, a gewaltikus because they are more than your regular non-Jew. They believe in God. They believe there's a kind of specialist. And therefore, if Jews say we're even more special, it's believable. But there's one thing Yishmael couldn't take, he could ever take. Now, Yishmael was lucky. Yitzhak was always deserving. But now when he sees that Shom and Yitzhak are not deserving, he says, now I don't get it. And that's why, if you look carefully, if you look carefully at the news over the last 75 years, the only time Yishmael makes trouble is when the government of Israel doesn't realize that they have a bris with Hashem. And they make laws that are anti-bris. I don't mean anti-bris circumcision. I mean anti-bris. As long as there will be gay parades in Yerushalayim, Yishmael has a reason to be upset. Why do you get Israel? We don't even have gay parades. We even cut off and kill the, the gay people. We have sense enough that they're not to be dealt, given credence. So we're going to go, what are we going to do about Eretz Yisrael? Eretz <laughs> Yisrael. What do you mean we go to Eretz Yisrael? we got to just not have, don't have a reason to be jealous of us. That's all. If they're not jealous of us, it's not a problem. Okay? Did I answer all the questions or is there something still uh, missing? Right? So now, I just can't let this go by without mentioning just one little other point over here. So, so that, so, want to know, how do we deal with the Arab problem? The Arab problem is, is, as long as we behave as the Anshe Bris with Hashem, Hashem will put in the minds of the Arabs to not make any trouble. That's all. That, that, that is, uh, Shmuel is very capable of accepting his second level status, as long as you are deserving of your higher level status. You know, so people are kind of upset 
and sad, you know, what happened in, uh, in Pittsburgh, yeah, being all these different reactions, uh, you have to have more security, yeah, using it as a political, even the Yidden, so we don't want Trump coming to our show. So you got to understand, you know, it's it, this, this worst act of anti-Semitism in the United States ever. Okay, so it's the worst act of anti-Semitism, where? In a shul, why in a shul? And I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into the fact that they were Reconstructionists and they're conservative because you could turn around three years later, three years ago, it was Harnoff. <laughs> so it's like Hashem like takes the, the two extremes. When Hashem does that, it means the two extremes and everything in between. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question. I mean, the Muslims aren't the greatest people in the world. I understand that, you know. And I understand it's a terrible thing. Now, if you look at it from a non-Jew's perspective, like, they, you know, if a guy, let's say, LaMarshall, you know, he's, the guy was went into uh, in Las Vegas and he just kills people before a rock concert. That's also terrible. But there's something that, you know, anybody says, but in a synagogue, like, that's disgusting. You know, a synagogue should not be involved in these kinds of things. I mean, they're, they're praying to their God. You know, how, how terrible could that be? I mean, a rock concert, you know, okay, we, again, we're not minimizing anybody's death, but a rock concert really wasn't such a hush of a thing. At the end of the day, you know, it's not the most hush of a thing in the world, even if you're a goy. But when you're going to a, a house of God, how could you dare bring guns in the house of God? Okay, that's true. I'm not minimizing it. I just want to ask one simple question. It's one simple question that no one's going to want to hear. Let's say 95% of synagogues, Orthodox, Conservative, Reform, or Reconstruction. What's the decorum in the shul? What's the decorum? The decorum, general, 95%. Okay? It's a balagan. It's a balagan. 95%. Yeah, you'll have a coal here. You know, but mainstream Orthodox shuls, even in Kolos, I've seen balagans, not in Toronto. I've seen balagans going on. So, like, wait a minute, why aren't people yelling and screaming for the balagan the Jews are making in the shul? You know, all the kiddish clubs that are going on in many, many shuls. You know, we got rabbis who can pride there's no kiddish club, but they all walk out during your speech. You know, and they're talking during the, the whole time. Isn't that like, like the, about the worst Chil Hashem you could do, no? Isn't that? I mean, of, of things called Chil Hashem, wouldn't you call that like the most amazing, outstanding Chil Hashem, a place you're supposed to talk to God, fear Hashem, show reverence for their boy or something. We have a special bris. We have a special bris. We have a special bris and comes Shabbos to get to be with Hashem, we schmooze with our friends. Right? So, why, what gives you the right to be protected when you pray to Hashem? It's almost like when the Jews had the base of Midrash, they did all these verses, there's no way they're going to destroy our temple. Hashem said, you wait and see. You know, you got to be awfully scared. I don't want to scare you, but I will. You know, I, I don't have time. I can't go more. I need another 25 minutes. But you got to know what's going on in the United States. If this election goes to the Democrats, it's putting us one more step to Nazi Germany. There's too, I have too many riots to this. It's ridiculous. Since Trump lost the election, they've dropped. There's no such thing as civil law anymore. 
And it's not because of him, it's because the Democrats numbers are not getting their way that they had for the last 50 years. Now, what, what, what made people say, never have an America because it's a democracy. You haven't seen a democracy in the last two years, have you? Get a democracy, they voted in, and they rejected it. And they've done everything they can. And just like the Nazis had uh, their, uh, what was their propaganda called? The, uh, just propaganda, their special word, I don't know. Special propaganda arm. The entire media is the propaganda of the liberal governments. It's mamish lies. And when Trump says fake news, he's 100% right. They're mamish lying through their teeth. And he was responsible for those Yidden to get killed. Are you out of your mind? He has grandchildren who are Yidden. How can you make him responsible? He's the one who put the embassy in Shalom. What are you, what's going on over here? Do you understand that the United States, land of the free, home of the brave, is not the land of the free anymore. Because when the liberals lose, they don't lose taking it kindly. The Republicans lose. They weren't happy with Obama, but they didn't make riots all over the place. We say we disagree. We'll do what we can to disagree and this and that. But we're not going to intimidate people. We're not going to go to Republicans and, and taunt them and throw their uh, hamburgers out the window when they're in a restaurant. And the, and the media says, that's fine. You got to realize, you know, yeah, so in such an environment, a guy could go and shoot somebody. You're right in such an environment. You understand that the liberals, they get into power, they, they're willing to have the borders completely open. That means every terrorist can walk into the country as long as you vote Democratic. That's all going to be fine. And what's going to happen when they're going to, uh, when they're going to let uh, California give unlimited health care for all the illegal immigrants that's going to cost in the billions of us? Who's going to pay for that? You know who's going to be paid for that? It's all going to be legal. It's all going to be legal, just like it was in Nazi Germany. It's called Nuremberg Laws. It was legal. Germany was such a legal country. It was unbelievable. Till the end, they were legal. Civil and legal. They're going to say, you know, if you're making such and such money through such and such ways, we tax you 95%. And it just so happens that most people who do that way are Jews. You're running, the United States is making a decision if there's ever going to be civil law again in that country. There's only civil law, right? What did, what did Clinton say? Well, how can you be expected to behave civilly when these people have changed the way of life the way you want to live it? That's called an election, lady. When you don't allow an election to determine the results, then that is Nazi Germany. And the fact that the media is, is the propaganda arm of those people... You know, we always knew that what happened there at Israel, all these places did fake news against Israel, but you didn't have a guy like Trump to call him out on it. Now he's calling him out, and they don't want to hear it, so they want to destroy him. If, if they merit to destroy him, then we know we're going in the wrong direction. And what's going to happen? When Obama was the president, police get shot, no one cares about the rule of law. Now they're going to kill Jews over here. One liberal. Did they ever say one word of Nechama to these families? No, it's all Trump. What are you saying about Trump? These people died. Where's your compassion? No, we're going to use it as a way to... What do you feel? You don't do those kinds of things. You have no heart. Oh, no, we're liberal. We care about it. You care about one thing, being in power and making it into a socialist country. So then, then how could it be that they shoot up Jews in a shul? They shoot up Jews in a shul? And that one person of the potential leading power gives a darn about it. You follow? You follow? This is all the, this is all the things that happened years before the Holocaust happened. And don't think Canada is much different because they just... 
Canada gives three hundred million billion million dollars to UNRWA, to UNRWA to to pay for the for the Palestinians to get money for killing Yidden. That's where your dollars are going. But we're nice Canadians. We don't make any trouble. So anyway, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? So, so, what is it? So Yishmael, uh, you know, is, is saying, well, why, why are you so special? Why are you so special? Why are you so special? We have to remember that we are special. Why we do these things? Because I think we figure we're in the wrong place. Anyway, it's, I'm getting into territory I shouldn't be getting that much into. But you see clearly from this Parsha, from this Parsha, the union of tshuva, the union of not understanding what the problem is, is the trauma that's there. And to understand how, how the Muslim world will treat us to the degree that we can deal with our trauma properly and give Hashem the respect that's meant to respect. So what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? going to do about it is look in our own shul and say, how are we going to make a bris in our own shul? To live up to the bris. That's all you can do. I mean, people are calling me, are you going to have more security in the shul? You know, this or that. I said, what's the security going to help? What's security going to help? You get a security guard, he shoots a security guard. In Canada, another one of these beautiful things in Canada, you don't have a right to bear arms in Canada. Do you know that? You have no right to bear arms in Canada. So now what happens when these crazy Muslims who are under the, uh, under the, in, under the radar, when they realize there's no rule of law in the United States or in Canada, decide to kill Jews, right? Imagine if Chas V'Shalm, if Chas V'Shalm, a guy came in, into a shul, and started spraying the place with bullets. And let's just assume for a minute there was one Yid there who's smart enough to know to carry a gun without telling anybody. And then he shoots the guy dead. What happens? He goes to jail in Canada. Now I want to understand how far away is that from Nazi Germany. Then you're wondering, why didn't Jews fight back? That's scary. You know what? So, so I said, Rabbi, what are you going to do? I said, well, only one thing we're going to do. We're going to behave better in shul, even though we are one of the best behaved shuls. we got to behave better. That's the only thing that's going to help you. Nothing else is going to help you. But you got to mean it. you got to mean it. When you walk into a shul, there's a bris. To live with the bris. You live with the bris, Hashem will take care of everything. You don't have to worry about anything. So, but unfortunately, the leadership of the Jewish world doesn't get it. So at least, at least in our little world, maybe we can get it. And uh, to make something good come out of it. Okay, thank you for uh, listening to my uh, 